This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we dive headfirst into free agency as we are just four days away from the frenzy. Matthew Carrick, the lacrosse boss, stops by to update the Ontario Junior Playoff. Plus, we get you set for the road to the championships in Canada and another round of box bets. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots and he scores! You can find him on Twitter at Pete Greggy. I'm on Twitter at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. You can find us on the Insta at OTCB podcast. Patty, what is going on? How's Ontario? Ontario is great. It's it's warm for a few days mm-hmm. and it's insanely hot for a few days and then yep. kind of gets warm again. But uh, inside the arenas, it is. I understand why they call Burlington the oven because it is a hot <laughs> arena. The Bunny Barn was spicy. When Iroquois Park is one of the cooler arenas uh, left in the <laughs> Ontario Junior <laughs> Circuit, you know that uh, the other arenas are spicy. But no, it's been awesome. I'm starting to call some more Ontario Junior Lacrosse games uh, for the postseason. It was in Pickering last night, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, the beaches are playing uh, the rest of their home games for the postseason in Pickering. And that was the first time in four years, Teddy, that I could actually sit back, not broadcast, not be on a bench coach, and just be a spectator at a, a lacrosse game. It was awesome. You don't just go to games. There's so, so many arenas near you, though. They're I found really- that when you told me that earlier, I found that hard to believe. No, it is an absolute truth. If I, because, and this is a friendly plug to (laughs) the OJ, because now that they broadcast so many games, why would I not just sit down on the couch and watch it from my friendly confines? Yeah, I guess. And they're real, I'm in Pickering. So yes, there's Peterborough. That's still an hour away. And usually if I'm there, I'm doing a broadcast. Calling it. I'm coaching, calling it, right? So I have not actually been a spectator in four years. I'll let it slide. Um, it is what a crazy weekend in junior lacrosse. Uh, 
There was madness in the Whitby Orangeville game as it ended. There was madness in the Victoria Coquitlam game in the stands on Tuesday night. Um, but that just goes to show how heated all these rivalries are in junior lacrosse and how much these young men and their fan groups want to see their teams get to the finals. How have you been enjoying the Ontario junior playoffs? It's been awesome. Like it's vintage lacrosse, like Whitby, Orangeville, not as crazy as what you guys had the, the other day, but you know, uh, line know. brawl. Should, that was a pretty much a line brawl in that game the other night. It, it was pretty damn close to a line brawl. We saw goalies fight. There was a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little, little dust up in the stands, nothing too crazy. Everything got settled pretty quickly, but like, yeah, like old school lacrosse is back and it usually happens with the postseason. We just haven't really, you know, experienced playoff yeah. lacrosse where, you're bouncing around to different arenas and, and different fan buses are showing up and yeah. kind of just brings up that heat even more. Yeah, it's been awesome. Coquitlam showed up with a giant fan bus for game five last night. It was absolutely madness inside the Q Center, um, but it was only a matter of time. Once the two fan bases started sitting next to each other and the chirps started getting more and more testy, and security just didn't do a good enough job, in my opinion, to keep those young men separated. It was only a matter of time before the pot boiled over. And it could have gotten a lot nastier. Unfortunately, there were a few sucker punches thrown and some blood spewing and flying everywhere. Eventually, they kind of got everybody separated. But the game had to be stopped for about five or six minutes once till they get that all cooled down. But cooler heads prevailed on the floor, but it was an absolutely incredible, incredible across game. Might have been the best junior A game I've seen since obviously the 2019 Minto Cup. But within the BC Junior League, might have been one of the best games I've seen in a number of years. It was high level lacrosse at its best. And obviously thrilled for the junior Shamrocks moving on, but that Coquitlam junior Adnac squad uh, is going to be a force next year. Like Victoria loses, I don't know, 12 or 14 guys. I don't know if Coquitlam loses more than a handful. Mm -hmm. uh, they are going to be a threat next year. And I don't like to see it, but it's great for the game of lacrosse when these programs can continue to be successful, even when they are not a fifth year heavy team. So um, congratulations to Coquitlam on, on a heck of a run, but it is now Victoria and Langley in the BC junior a finals. Don't know if there will be webcasts of it yet. Fingers crossed, but the series will start on Saturday um, out in Ontario. What there's four teams left Whitby, Orangeville, Burlington Beaches, uh, and all series have been great going to game four. It's been awesome. And I don't know if it's because we haven't seen lacrosse, you know, in a long time at the junior level for a full season, or mm -hmm. maybe some of the rules that have been changed here in Ontario, but this is the most memorable junior season that I can remember in a really long time. Like we talk with Matt, there's just so many different players that have achieved you know, historic feats for their club, um, you know, other individual teams doing things that they've never done before. Like we might have for the first time Burlington or Toronto 
um, going to the Minto Cup. The whole season, yes, Mimico, I think you could say, was the favorite, but there really wasn't one team or two teams running away with it. Like the parody that we've seen in Ontario has been phenomenal. And I think it's on display here as you still see an eight seed uh, surviving. You see a yeah. six seed in Orangeville still surviving. So for, for me, it's the parody. And similar to what you said about Coquitlam, um, there's a couple of these teams that even if they don't win this year, the window's still open for next yeah. year. And especially for Orangeville, not only is the window open for next year, it's open for the next couple of years with Trey Deer, Cole Marquis, Jameson Bucktooth, and even Liam Matthews. Like these yeah. guys are special. Yeah, it, the, the future of the game is as bright as, as it has ever been. And we will talk with Matthew Carrick, the lacrosse boss, the voice of the Ontario Junior League in a little bit, just to get a closer perspective on everything that's going on in Ontario. Again, they play game four on Wednesday, game four in the other series is on Thursday, and there's a possibility uh, of two game fives on Friday night in the Ontario Junior Playoffs, which would be absolute madness if it happened. Um, but let's talk uh, some NLL before we get to Matthew. Uh, it is closing in on free agent season, August 1st is when the doors officially open and teams are doing all of that they can to secure their UFAs and RFAs in hopes of not losing as many names as possible. But maybe the biggest alarm bells that were going off came in Saskatchewan a couple days ago. They offered the franchise tag to Kyle Rubish. He declined. They offered the franchise tag to Chris Corbeil. He declined. So that sense a lot of people running to the top of the mountain saying, oh, my goodness, are these guys not coming back to Saskatchewan? But then our good buddy Ty Merrill and Evan Schemenauer talked it back and forth, and they kind of decided, well, not so fast. Maybe they're doing this to take a bit of a, quote, hometown discount so that they can get other guys signed. How do you feel about these moves by Saskatchewan? It's it's obviously alarming from from an outsider looking in, but when you look at some of the things that have happened in the past, the like the the Mike Poulin rule, as a lot of people are kind of referencing mm -hmm. this, um, if you reject the franchise tag uh, and then sign your your vet max, um, you know you'll you'll be able to get some of that discounted essentially from your salary uh, off of the salary cap. So you're still getting paid, but it allows some more wiggle room for the team. Um, so they're not so hard up against the cap. But with that being said, yes, that's what it, you know, once you do a little bit of digging, that's what it seems like. Maybe that's what's going to happen, but this, there's been a lot of rumblings that these two guys are ready to come home and play in Ontario. So yeah, it would be crazy to think that, you know, the era of Rubes and Corbs is done in Saskatchewan, but at the same time, we've kind of seen the writing on the wall for a little while. And it's hard to really guess what this means because it could mean two completely different things. It really could. I, when I talked to Derek Keenan um, late in the season, he had a feeling that they might be able to to get everybody 
um, that was sort of on their big UFA list, Dilks, Corbeil, Rubish. And I kind of scratched my head and thought, how, man, how the heck are they going to do that? And if there's anybody that can wiggle around and make magic, it is the wizard Derek Keenan. And I never put anything past him. But if he can pull this off and keep that group together, um, the rush are, are again, going to be a threat in the NLL West. So let's kind of look at who's possibly out there as we close in on a free agency season. So we'll go team by team and talk about some of the key names that are available. Now, remember, there are UFAs. There are UFAs who can reject the franchise tag based on their age. And then there's just RFAs, restricted free agent. You Unrestricted free agents, UFAs, they can sign anywhere they want. RFAs get qualified, and then teams can match qualified offers. So in Albany, Ryan Banesh, Greg Downing, Brett Manny, Joe Reza Terrence are all still unsigned and possible departures. Is there one you would love to get locked in more than another? Uh, The the, the tough thing with that is, of course, I think all three of those pieces are pieces that you want to lock in. But I think that the the no-brainer is Joe Rezater. It's like that guy Mm -hmm. was an MVP candidate. And I think he's a guy that you want to lock in long-term. So he's the first guy. I think that probably Glenn Clark and Clem Durazio are are trying to figure out how they can lock him up long-term. And, of course, long-term in lacrosse. It's two to three years, although we've seen some bigger deals uh, happen as well. But with Banesh and Downing, I would still like to lock those guys up for at least a mm-hmm. year. If you think you're going to be a championship contending team, you need veterans. You need guys that know the grind of an NLL season. Well, those two guys certainly do. And yes, Ryan Banesh doesn't have the championship NLL pedigree, you know, he's won other championships and he's a guy that's hungry to win an NLL title. So if he believes that Albany has a chance to, to win a ship, I can't see him going anywhere else. So I think maybe, and it sounds like he loved his time in Albany. Yeah. I know he's got a young family, so it's a bit of a tough commute, but it seemed like his wife and kid were at almost every single game down the stretch. So <laughs> It was awesome to see, but those are two guys that I think if you're a championship team, you look at teams that have won in the past. It's not all about guys that are young and in the, you know, in the midst of their career, you need those older veterans as well. The Buffalo bandits. So the franchise tag on Dane Smith, they lock up chase Fraser. They lock up Ian McKay, but still names available. Frank Brown, Kyle Buchanan, Ethan O'Connor, Matt Spanger, Bryce Sweeting, Matt Vince and Nick Weiss. Now I don't, I, I can't see Vino going anywhere. He can, he is a UFA that can restrict the franchise tag. The franchise tags now on Dane Smith. So he's just going to get vet max UFA money. But I would think that a guy like Kyle Buchanan is a guy they need to ensure to make up. Cause he was such a huge part of that offense. He was a game changer, man. Like he was the the straw that that stirred that Buffalo Bandits drink. And you could probably be like, "Are you crazy?" Like, look at who else they had. Look at Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, 
Yeah, yeah, those are the guys that make the offense tick. But what made them special is the Buchanans uh, of their offense that would go in and the grab grinders. the loose balls, set those hard picks. Like Dane Smith said to me when we were talking pregame before one of the playoff games, he said that when you have a guy like Bucky that is the hardest working player on the floor by far, and he's the smallest player on the floor by far, it makes you work that much harder. And they said that his veteran presence in the locker room, him saying at the start of the year, listen, guys, it's great that my commute, you know, I, I get to live, you know, relatively close to the arena and, you know, that's all fine and dandy, but I came here to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Like that's why mm-hmm. I'm here. And I think that motivation throughout the year, I think the fact that he's a guy that wants to win a championship and what he does on the floor you can't let him walk. You will cannot let him go somewhere else. And you can guarantee that almost every other single team in the league would have no problem signing a guy like Bucky. Uh, the Calgary Roughnecks have some interesting names available on theirs. Mitch Wild, Dan Taylor, Curtis Manning, Zach Hairwires, who had a great year, Reese Callies, and veteran defenseman face man Tyler Burton. But the biggest name is Curtis Dixon. He can reject a franchise tag as a UFA, but it is a bit alarming that this close to the deadline, they haven't been able to lock up a deal. Now, the talk over the last couple of years was that he was going to be gone after this year, and I can 100% see him in Vegas, but I know there will be other teams vying for his services, but it almost seems like the writing on the wall that Curtis Dixon will no longer be a Calgary Roughneck. It it really just doesn't it just seem that way, and and it would mm. be sad that you know the 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 chapters closed on the Curtis Dixon era in in Calgary, but it would also be awesome to see him somewhere else. Whether you know there's been rumblings of San Diego has been in pursuit of him, and yep. Vancouver seems like a no brainer uh, to bring him home. And boy, would would that offense not look completely <laughs> different with the Dixon in the lineup? And I know the offense certainly was not the case uh, yeah. of what struggled and what plagued the the this, this the Warriors down the stretch. But they certainly don't get worse if he enters their lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be an interesting watch. That was probably maybe one of the you know the five top free agents to watch come August mm-hmm. 1st. Colorado Mammoth locked up Zed Williams with a qualifying offer. Chris Wardle, Josh Sullivan, Connor Robinson, John Lentz, Robert Hope, Tim Edwards, Scott Carnegie, and backup goalie extraordinaire Tyler Carlson are all on the free agency list. Um, I think Robinson is, is an RFA, so they can qualify him. I'm sure that'll get done, if not done, the next few days. But they have some big-name defensive free agents that they could be losing. But if they can find a way to keep all those guys intact, uh, this team will still be a threat. But is there one guy you could see leaving out of that list? It's, you know, it is it is tough to say. I think on the defense, I think – there's a likely with those guys, they're just such character guys and where they are at the end of the season. I don't know if they're looking to quote unquote, get that bag or, 
you know, chase another ring. Like I'm, I'm sure yeah. that defense is quite fine with running it back. But for me, Chris Wardle seems like maybe he's a guy that might end up somewhere else. And for yeah. me, the automatic assumption would be maybe Vegas. Maybe Vegas is a spot that where he could land. I know he he worked very well with with Sean Williams in the past. No, Willie is a huge fan of his game. Mm-hmm. And I originally was like, oh, that's who Willie's going to try to take in the expansion draft. And then saw, oh, wait, he's a UFA. He doesn't have to waste a pick on him. He can just yeah. sign him in the offseason. That's obviously just all speculation. But he seems like a guy, if you're trying to build an offense – He's not the guy you're building it around, but also he is one of those complementary pieces that you need to have in your lineup. Georgia, Brandon Bomberry, Jordan Hall, Steph LeBlanc, Jordan McIntosh, Mike Poulin, Chad Tutton, Joel White. They've got some very interesting names available that I could see some teams throwing a contract at and, and making a couple phone calls to see – if they can get them to move on from Swarm City. Uh, Joel White is always an intriguing one. Being an American um, that, that has excelled at the indoor game would be an excellent opportunity for him to maybe move on to different pasture. Jordan McIntosh as well, but I know he's been a huge part of that organization for the last number of years. But I, I don't think they can keep them all, obviously. But I could see Chad Tutton moving. I could see Chad Tutton going to a Toronto or a Rochester, uh, a little bit closer to home. Certainly, and you mentioned Rochester. What about a guy like Joel White from the Rochester mm-hmm. area, played in Rochester? Maybe he's a guy that decides he wants to, to, to go home. Uh, but Tutton certainly is a guy that I think will have a ton of options. Uh, he had probably one of his best seasons, if not his best career yep. year. And I think he proved that. You know, if Georgia can't offer him or if he's looking for a new challenge, I couldn't see him, you know, I could see him finding somewhere. Jordan McIntosh, like, I I just don't – I can't picture him wearing another jersey. No, I agree. You know, Swarm jersey, right? But, like, if he wanted to test free agency, by all means, I'm sure there's almost every single team in the league would be knocking at his door. I could see him in Philly reuniting him with uh, Krep. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's it's been a year that they've been apart. They can't go two years. <laughs> uh, let's go to your backyard, the Halifax Thunderbirds. Uh, Aaron Bull, David Brock, Scott Campbell, Reese Dutt, Sean Evans, Brad Gillies, Cody Jamison, Stephen Keogh, Luke Magnan. Um, the the Cody Jamison one is always going to be an intriguing prospect. He kind of quote unquote tested free agency waters last year after his 10 year deal was done, but he re-signed back in Halifax. He's always kind of hinting that he's going to see what's out there just to try to do what's best for him. But how big of a loss would it be for this franchise if Cody Jameson went somewhere else? I don't even know how to to describe it. Like it would be, <laughs> It would be very demoralizing and it would be a clear cut indication of a new chapter starting in Halifax and with this organization. And I don't think they're ready to end that chapter yet. I do feel like there is a lot of 
quote unquote unfinished business, but they're also not naive. They know mm-hmm. that group that they brought in last year just simply wasn't good enough to get it done. Whereas in the year before the season was cut short and there was, they just didn't have a finish to the year. Well, they had a finish this year and they did come up short and it was a valiant effort, but it wasn't good enough. And I think they realized that, but I think that Cody Jameson still has a lot in the tank. And I think if he's going to want to end his career, I think it's going to want to be in Halifax with the team that he's played with forever. But you mentioned some of those other names. Well, first off, Scott Campbell, we know he's retired. He's actually working quite hard as an assistant uh, general manager, getting some of these contracts ready to go. The name that sticks out to me, Sean Evans, I, I yeah, don't that's an interesting be, one. I don't know if he'll be back just with the way that he never really, you know, gelled in with that offense, but he's playing really well this summer. Mm-hmm. And yes, it might be because it's MSL and he's wearing a Peterborough jersey, and that's just what Sean Evans does. Uh, puts big goals in the back of the net or puts up, you know, crazy yeah. apples. But with that being said, he I think he's proving that, you know, maybe Halifax isn't the spot for me, but there's another spot. I still have a lot of game. There's a lot of interesting names on that list. It, yeah, that's it, how I feel about Boldy and, and Dutchy. And and that's a thing. I think I, I don't know. Does Dutchy want to come? Like it's almost like his career and and his tenure, or can't even say tenure. His time in Halifax didn't even really happen. Yeah, his it was so like it was, it was so like cut short. Seventy one minutes or something like that. Yeah. So and then with Bold, it's like does Bold want to run it back as a backup or maybe even try to push, you know, Warren Hill and battle for that number one or does he want to go out there? Because he feels, and how could you not feel, that he earned a spot to at least mm-hmm. battle for a number one job um, yep. in his relief in, in that playoff, in that last game. Uh, the New York Riptide, Scott Dominey, Damon Edwards, Scott Johnson, Connor Kieran, and Dan McRae, Jay Thornbear. There are some names that, that could draw some attention, especially with those Ontario guys. Uh, maybe wanting to head back home, but uh, are they? I think Domini. What's that? I was gonna say, do they have enough cap space after their biggest off-season <laughs> signing with Tyson Geik? Or <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think they can <laughs> hire anybody more for signing. More. Uh, they threw they threw the bag at Tyson. They obviously threw the bag at Callum Crawford, who got the franchise tag. Uh, Lomas has resigned. Sturrus and McArdle have all resigned or been qualified at least. Um, but I would say that Domini gathers the most attention after the season that he had. But, but I would imagine that Jimmy Veltman is going to do all he can to lock him up. Yeah. And I'll just, as you brought up Jim Veltman's name, I just want to give him a huge shout out. I think every single game that I almost have called this, this summer, he's been there. So he's grinding. He's, he's watching not just for the draft, but for, for free agency as well. Um, but Jim Veltman likes fast up and down lacrosse, right? And that is exactly the, the epitome of what Scott Dominey brings. I would be shocked if he's not in a riptide Jersey, especially, you know, the deal that they, they made to get him. Like I felt that felt like such a, uh, you know, a, they went out and they said, we got to get this guy. Like we, we, we really like this guy, a guy that, I don't know if we see him next year as Damon Edwards and 
which would stink because it seemed like he finally started to catch on and it was the Damon Edwards that we were used to seeing and he was a, yep. such a big veteran presence. But I know he's a firefighter. He's new on, on the staff here in the city of Pickering. Does he want to be somewhere closer to home? Like, does he reunite with Toronto? Is like, is that a possibility? Like, uh, I, I I know it's for me. I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe they run it back and he and he go yeah. does go back. But just for me, it just it never felt real. And maybe that's just because we've seen him in a Toronto Rock uniform for for so long. Mm, yeah, I hear that. Uh, Panther City doesn't have a long list. Liam Burns, Phil Caputo, Travis Cornwall, Cam McLeod. Kevin Orleman. Um, I kind of feel like Cornwall may be the only guy they don't try and bring back. And they try to get all the rest of those guys back lined up. Cam McLeod and Kevin Orleman. Um, you know, obviously Orleman was uh, running tag team with Nick Damood. Cam McLeod was their third goalie. Phil Caputo started to find his rhythm. Liam Burns had a good year. Um, you know, Cornwall was serviceable for them. And, uh, you know, he, he's still a, a good lacrosse player, but I, I'm not sure that he's a guy that they will bring back. Um, maybe Vegas takes a poke. Maybe he comes back to Vancouver. Who knows? But I, I don't see a lot of those names getting a lot of attention in free agency. I think... I think a guy like Liam Burns and, and Phil Caputo could possibly like Liam yeah, Burns, Burns for sure. I, I'm, I, I just haven't Burns, been sold on Caputo, um, but I could see Burns getting some attention. I, I don't think I, I understand. I, I don't think there's a there's a lineup waiting to, to sign Phil Caputo. But when it comes to Liam Burns, like I think in terms of American teams that are looking mm-hmm. to market, you know, a, a uh, a defender and and a guy that has proven that he is an American that clearly has picked up the box game, especially from a defender side. I could see a, a few teams wanting to to grab him, yeah. but I think I do think with the way Panther City ended their season, I think all those guys are just going to want to run it back anyways yeah. and, and get back down to Panther City and, and try to build off what they did last year. Uh, the Philadelphia Wings have some very interesting names. Um, Still up for grabs. Kevin Crowley, Isaiah Davis Allen, Kyle Matisse, Matt Rambo, Blaze Reardon, Eric Shule, Corey Small. Um, I, I don't want to say I'm on the record, but I've kind of been on the record that I, I have this inkling feeling that Kevin Crowley won't be back with the Wings this year. Um, I think they need to do everything they can to get IDA back. Obviously, Matt Rambo and Blaze Reardon are huge parts of our organization, as is Kyle Matisse. So, you know, those guys are imperative. But this will be a roster that will have a lot of targets on their back in free agency. Yeah, I just I, I don't see how they're able to sign all these guys back. Like there's going yeah. to be one or two of those bodies on a different roster. And I mean, if you don't sign Crowley, then maybe there's a little more wiggle room with some of those other guys up front. And it does certainly seem like, and it's we it's tough because Crowley like he's made a home in in, in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and he's got a business there. And but at the, at the end of the day, it's like, is he maybe just looking for a new challenge? Is yeah. he looking to to try something different? Then that's that's a possibility. Does he maybe think that the window's closing for this Philadelphia group? Possibly, I don't know. Um, Rambo. Reardon, I'd be shocked if both those guys aren't back in in Philly uniforms. 
Um, Matisse is the one thing for me. And this is no inside knowledge. This is just me trying to figure out a way how it could happen. But like, if Jamie Dowick calls him up, like he's from Hamilton, they play in Hamilton now. He coaches in the area. Like, I know they already have Challen Rogers, who's a guy that goes up and down and, and, and is a right-handed shot. But if you can make space for a guy like that, like, would you not, would you not want to do that? So here's, here's a question. If you, okay. Hy- uh, hypothetic. If they get Matisse, does one of he or Rogers finally become just a straight O guy? Well, I never even thought of it that way, Ted. <laughs> right? Because we we always talk about how good those guys are playing both ways and how they they're they're really true transition guys because they play defense and go up and play offense. We saw Toronto when they were down with injuries running Chow and Rogers setting up the power play. Could they do that with either one of those guys and say, hey, okay, you know what? We're going to move on from whoever, you know, if Dan Dawson finally hangs him up and says, I'm done, right? Now there's a righty spot open. Is that a Rogers finally playing full-time O or is it a Matisse playing full-time O? If it's up to me, I think I would lean Matisse. And mm. it's I not because too. I think, I don't think it's not because he's a better offensive player and he, but he does have a little more experience playing more of an offensive role. It's just, for me, I think you're handcuffing yourself with Challen Rodgers. You're not getting the best of Challen Rodgers. Yes. I would much rather just have, okay, here's my offensive lineup. Here's my defensive lineup. Here are my goalies. Here's TD Erlin who takes faceoffs and a couple of defensive shifts. And then here's Challen Rodgers who you can just roam around the floor mm-hmm. and we'll decide where you're playing tonight. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think he's, I think he's got uh, a few years younger on Matisse. Uh, does challenge Rogers, so I think he's still got some energy left in those legs, and I think he could finally just kind of reward Kyle Matisse. Say, hey, man, <laughs> you've been outstanding in your NLO career. Let's just shorten your runs from now on. You're only going out the front door. So um, that would be a very interesting tactic uh, if it happened. Oh, oh. Or on the flip idea. side, we we said staying close to home for Matisse. Well, Hamilton's not too far away from Buffalo. Do you do the the flip side? And does Buffalo bring in a guy like Matisse to play more of a defensive role, but has the green light to move the ball up? Because there's a chance Buffalo might not be able to re-sign a couple of those those righties. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Is that that's, a possibility? I don't it know. It is definitely a possibility. The Rochester Nighthawks, Matt Bennett, Mike Burke, Pauly Dawson, Evan Kirk, Curtis Knight, Mike Manley. Um, obviously I think going out and getting Evan Kirk before last season, uh, was a huge coup for Dan Carey. Obviously they would love to get him back. And I think for the future of their organization, they need to figure out how to get Evan Kirk back. Um, the Curtis Knight one will be an interesting one if they can get him signed. I don't see Paulie Dawson going anywhere. Um, but I think Dan Carey has his work cut out for him trying to sign some of these guys. Yeah, again, this is this this is tough too. And 
the vibes around Rochester at the start of the year, it was like, okay, I think things are, you know, maybe we're a little bit ahead of time here. Maybe this, mm-hmm. this thing's kind of coming together a little bit quicker. Um, and then as the year went along, and again, we're not in the room, so we don't know if, if they're still, you know, trusting the process. They should be because, again, it's kind of they're on the trajectory of where Dan Carey kind of had this group. He wasn't a guy that thought, you know, we're just going to, jump in right away and be competitive and win a championship. Yeah. He knew it was going to be a little bit of a slower grind. Um, but with that being said, like, you know, do, do some of these guys get a little bit annoyed or are they, are they tired of, of the quote unquote process or are they willing to stick yeah. around? But is a guy like Paul Dawson. Yeah. Like I think he's going to be a guy that's going to stick around a guy like Mike Manley, like, you know, obviously him being from the area, he would, but like, I don't know the guys on this list here. I think all of them are are in that camp and they, they do realize, yes, they're a little bit longer in the tooth in their career, but they realize like, okay, this team's going to be good in a couple of years. We can stick around for a couple of those years. And by the time, you know, they're battling for playoffs and they're battling in the postseason, they're going to still be able to contribute. The big thing for me is, is Evan Kirk though. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Uh, Would you take Knight or Burke? Oh, I'm taking. I love. I love Burke. Don't get me wrong. Great guy. Big team guy. But I'm taking Curtis Knight for sure. Okay, just making just making sure we're on the same page. Uh, San Diego, Graydon Bradley, Dane Doby, Jacob Dunbar, Zach Greer, Brett Hickey, Brody Merrill, Jeremy Noble, and Tor Reinholdt. Uh, Jacob Dunbar, uh, a young rookie, hasn't seen a lot of time in the NLL, so um, he might get some looks from teams, but he, he probably ends up back. In San Diego, who knows how many years Greerzo's got left, Merrill's got left. Uh, Noble obviously found a bit of a resurgence in San Diego. But I truly believe um, maybe other than Dane Doby, the guy that might get a lot of looks here is Tor Reinhold. Um, being a speedy transition guy that's been around the league for a long time, uh, he would look great in a Warriors jersey. He would look great in a desert dogs jersey can san diego bring all of these veterans back do they want to bring them all back i think that's the question do they want to like is it is this going to be a case where they're just going to run everything back they were close do they run it back or do they retool i don't think they're going to blow it up by any stretch of the imagination i imagine they're going to do everything in their power to, to to bring back uh Dobby I though like I think Dobes is is a guy that a lot of teams and he'd be crazy not to test free agency Mm -hmm. but I think I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure he's back in in purple and gold he can reject the franchise tag but they already threw that at Frankie so yes so it's not there so but I would imagine Brett Hickey's as good as gone um whether they re, don't re-sign him and just let him just go or if he becomes – if he gets signed in free agency. But he just – I know they made that trade to kind of find an answer, uh, but it never really worked out. Um, so unless he's maybe like willing to relocate out west, I, I don't see them bringing Brett Hickey back. He's the one guy I can see that, that would kind of be on the outside looking in when all is said and done. Yeah, and I, I that, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know, everyone there, I think, will be back. Like, Noble had a great year. Like, it was kind of resurgence of, of his career. And, and, of course, you know, Dobie 
clearly prove that he's got a lot left in the tank, even though he was kind of banged up. And Merrill is just going to choose whether he's going to retire or keep playing. And the way he played last year, uh, I don't think he's retiring. <laughs> uh, he is. Uh, he has been banged up a little bit in the PLL, so who knows? But as, as his body gets older, obviously it takes – a longer time to recover from some of those injuries. We touched base on Saskatchewan a little bit with the Corbeil and Rubish um, news. Ryan Dokes, Dan Lintner, Mike Mallory, Eric Penny, Clark Walter. Um, if those guys are taking hometown discounts, then I would imagine they throw the franchise at Ryan Dokes. Yeah. Um, I can't see Dan Lintner going anywhere with his Whitby ties. Mike Mallory is a guy that could be on the move. Um, Eric Penny could be a guy that's on the move. Does Eric Penny end up back in Vancouver? Could you imagine that? (laughs) I've been waiting to ask you that question. Could you imagine that? I don't know if he – do you think he wants to go back? I don't think he would want to go back to that. I don't think think he would want to go back. So, I I, I mean, I don't think it will happen. But – that's certainly the most interesting outside of obviously how the heck do you sign all these, these D guys and who's the, who's going to be the guy that doesn't sign or well, Hey, Keenan's doing Keenan things. And yep, they signed everyone. Yeah. The biggest question mark for me is what do they do in goaltending and what do they, because they got a couple of young guys that they clearly have trust in for the future. But if they're going to be resigning all these big names, um, they're trying to win right now. So yeah, like what are you they've got do now? they've got Dunkerley, who's still um, you know young under his rookie contract. Uh, they qualified Adam Shoot. Eric Penny's just sitting there. Um, are they active and maybe trying to go after Justin Getty in free agency? It, it will be the question. And I agree, Vancouver. I think Vegas. Well, yeah. Even though they have Landon Kells, Vegas, Vancouver, and Saskatchewan are going to be the three biggest players in the goaltending market um, yeah. come free agency starting on Monday. Uh, Toronto Rock, Sheldon Burns, Dan Dawson, Mitch DeSnew, Billy Hostrauser, Reed Reinholdt, Nick Rose, and Brandon Slade. I, I don't think we're going to have to spend too much time talking about Johnny Palace or Paul Rabel. Um, I don't know. Maybe Vegas – Tries to bring him in. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure why he would, but maybe they do. Um, Reed Reinhold could be a guy that that ends up back west. I know a lot of people kind of thought that um, he might go in the expansion draft to Vegas. Nick Rose isn't going anywhere. Like, I don't see a lot of these guys going in or being strong GTA players. You know, they could end up in the Golden Triangle. Um Rochester, Buffalo, Toronto, any one of those three teams. But Jamie Dowick has done an incredible job building this defensively strong roster. I can't see him wanting to be losing many of those guys. No, I think if it's up to the, to Toronto, I think they're bringing all these guys back. And it's just, if is it, does Reed Reinhold want to go back home? Um, he made it evidently clear on, a, on the podcast when we had him on that he loves being in Toronto and he did. He was, he was pretty transparent. He said he thought about potentially, you know, signing with a Western yep. team, but he had that conversation with Jamie Dowick and he said he wants to win and he wants to win with this group. And I think after the way last year ended, he's got a bit of a sour taste in his mouth. He got hurt 
And I think he's going to want to come back and play for Toronto, at least one more kick at the can. And Sheldon Burns may be a guy that you could see looking for a different opportunity, but near the end of the year, he really, really started to turn on his game and became a vocal leader in that locker room. And so unless Jamie Dowick's going to find another couple of D guys in free agency or a trade, I think all those, those names we talked about, will will be back for sure. Finally, the Vancouver Warriors, and this is maybe the longest list of players that is available. And we'll focus on a few, um, I would imagine Kyle Killen is getting a lot of phone calls August 1st. Um, Riley Lowen might get a poke or two. Brett Mitski um, will definitely get a call or two if they haven't franchised him by then. Logan Schuss is still out there, as is Justin Salt, Garrett McIntosh. But again, much like we talked about Vancouver, Toronto, and those guys being GTA guys and probably not wanting to go too far from home base. I can see a lot of these Vancouver guys wanting to stay close. Obviously, Steve Fryer has relocated out west. Um, Taylor Stewart's an American who kind of grew up in Coquitlam, but he has dual citizenship, so he can go both ways. This will be a very interesting lineup to watch over the next few weeks, but Kyle Killen could be the hottest asset out of everybody. Yeah, that's the name that jumps out to me the most. I think he's a guy that a lot of teams, especially teams that are looking maybe not to win this year, but starting to build. So let look mm-hmm. at the most recent um, expansion teams. I think, you know, Panther City, Vegas, Rochester, maybe even Rochester. I know they're pretty set. They, they've got some, some nice righties on that side, but a, a guy that can put the ball in that, that consistently like Kyle Killen, you find ways to, to make space mm-hmm. for him. So I think there's going to be a lot of people knocking at his door. Marty Dinsdale may like maybe, but I think he was really, really pleased with being in Vancouver and I think he's going to want to stay, but if he did want to test free agency, I think there'd be some teams that would be open to, to some discussions. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting. You know, Garrick McTosh was in Calgary and then he was in San Diego. Now he's back in Vancouver. Uh, did they not throw the franchise at Mitch? Did, did Jones mm, get franchised? Why do I think, I that? think so. I think so, so. Yeah, I think so. But I, so that, that leaves Brett Mitski kind of sitting there. Like I'm sure Vancouver is going to do all they can to sign him back after they, you know, they moved him over. They gave him the C they gave him Beersy's old Jersey, like everything they did to, to get him in. I can't see them not no. throwing the bag at him. Yeah. 1000%. And that's why I didn't even really, bring it up it's because i just i i would be shocked if he's not back with vancouver to be quite frank yeah me too um so free agency begins august 1st unless something has changed that is next week so stay tuned to socials and next week we talk we could be um breaking some news and and talking about guys in new uniforms new cities new towns new teams And it should be a very exciting week. We've been kind of waiting for this year of free agency for a while because of all the names that were going to be out there. Who do you think will go? Where do you think they will go? We'll talk about more of that next week. But we got to get to our guest, Matthew Carrick. The BC Junior A Finals are set. 
It is Victoria and Langley. We still don't know what's going on in Ontario. Whitby, Orangeville headed to game four. Beaches, Chiefs heading to game four. And Matthew Carrick has been behind the mic for most of the games all season long, watching it all. And he gives us a perspective on the OJ right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Obviously, uh, game five was Madhouse in Victoria last night, but it is a wild scene in Ontario as there are four teams left vying for the Ontario championship. And man, it's been calling it all. The lacrosse boss, Matthew Carrick, joins us here on the show. Matty, how are you? I'm doing well, Teddy. Thanks. Uh, Day off yesterday, rehydrated, got some sleep, and good to go back again tonight as we record this game number four uh, going in Orangeville this evening against Whitby. So uh, happy Uh, to be here. Thanks for the invite and excited to get back in the booth tonight. Yeah, you and Patty have been tag teaming along with uh, producer Donnie, getting some games in. Um, First off, I need to ask this question. How does Brock Haley put up so many goals and why does he make it look so easy? Uh, I think a lot of defensives are asking the same question here in Ontario anyways. Uh, Yeah, Pat and I kind of touched on this the other night, just the deceptive shot that he's got from the top and he's got so many looks from up there that it's just it's wild and I was thinking back to you know JVI did the pardon me the first Minto Cup that we did in 2012 was the Whitby Warriors who at that time had Austin Shanks uh, Curtis Knight Riley O'Connor the three-headed monster there and Whitby's kind of got back to that with Parker Pfeiffer and with Adam Poitras on the left side. So when you got those three guys up high, they can spread the floor, which kind of gets defenses and goalies thinking about where the shot's going to come from. And you can't really think about Haley because even if you're shooting from a normal spot or up the top, just the number of deceptive releases he's got is just insane. And then when you add everything else around it, you know, it's a recipe for a near historic season. Like we said. 120 points in the regular season with 74 goals. He's put up 36 points of 20 more goals in six playoff games. It is just an impressive, impressive run. Um, is this Whitby team the team to beat? That is a great question. Um, Orangeville is very hard to beat at Tony Rose Arena. That's what I know. Um, they're a very impressive team, though, Whitby. The you know, Pat and I were talking about this the other night on the broadcast because Haley gets a lot of attention. The rest of the offense doesn't get the attention. And then you have to talk about the rest of the offense, but then you forget how good their defense is Mm -hmm. and the way that their transition can uh, run up the floor. And, you know, just, it's just nightmare stuff. Like I said, for, for defenses, but um, yeah, very strong. I thought Liam Wright had a a good bounce back game in game number three, but it has been a bit of a question mark for me anyways. The Liam Wright, Caleb Martin thing in net for Whitby. Uh, The starters were going only about eight minutes over the first two games of the series. So um, if there's a spot, I mean, Orangeville's at home tonight. It's going to be hot. It's going to be loud. It's going to be packed full of everybody. And um yeah, if they can get to the goaltending early of Whitby, then they got a shot to stay alive here tonight. 
Patty, is there anything better than a packed bunny barn in the playoffs? <laughs> I don't think so, man. And it was the first time I got to actually enjoy, um, you know, a bunny barn experience in the postseason. It was packed. Uh, it was loud. Uh, there was kids from ages, you know, there was kids to adults, like ages from like literally one years old to like in their 90s, like the entire town of Orangeville showed up and it is such a cool, unique barn. And Matt said it like they're so hard to beat because if you look at this series, Whitby and no offense to the Northmen, and they probably would admit it, have smoked them in Whitby, mm. like have absolutely smoked yeah. them, like not even a contest. And then that game in Orangeville, like despite that little pushback at the end that we saw from, from Whitby, Matt, you could agree, like maybe 45 minutes of the game was controlled dominantly by Orangeville and in, in that second period with the transition, it's just, they're a different beast in the, in that barn. And you know, well, you can say like, yeah, Whitby's the team to beat, but as long as it's not in Tony Rose arena, because if that's the case, it's Orangeville. And I, I think them not having home floor advantage might end up biting them in the ass. But Matt, like we've talked about this, like if, if Orangeville can't get it done this year, uh, they can't hang their heads low. They need to think about the future. No. And I know their eyes are on the prize right now, but with that young core and with Chris Rigliari still having one more year, like this is a team <laughs> that can take a kick at the can again, isn't it? Yeah, you you said it. I mean, just think about that. Chris Rigliari's got another year after <laughs> we saw him. We saw him in the bubble, what he did in the bubble last year and how he burst on the scene there. And, obviously transitions into an NLL draft pick, gets his first win this season, uh, and then comes back. Had a bit of a struggle to start the season. And, Pat, you know, I talked about it with Jonathan, and I know we kind of touched on it the last game. Uh, I think back to uh, Doug Jamison when he first left junior and came back. Riley Hutchcraft had a bit of a struggle when he came back into, but uh, once Arigliari found his footing again, it was what eight and one, nine and one to end the season for Orangeville. And he basically starts the entire game. And to think that he's got another year of eligibility left after this one, is just bonkers to me. But um, there's also only four, the playoff roster that we got for Orangeville, they only have four graduating players coming out of this year. When you compare that to an Oakville who had, I think, 10, and they were out in, uh, what, the first round to Orangeville, um, the minor system in Orangeville is just so so stacked with players. Um, and the alumni that come out to support them and coach all the way up through is, uh, they're doing it right in Orangeville anyways. When you look at, at both those clubs, the, the talent level is through the roof. And, and two guys on Oak, or sorry, on Orangeville that we haven't really talked about, Trey Deer and Colton Marquis, are, are two young men who I've gotten to get very familiar with over the last couple of summers. How impressed have you been with those two young fellas? Well, very impressed. Um, you know, we first saw them last year in the bubble tournament. Colton Marquis lit the whole place on fire every time he stepped on the floor. Trey Deer uh, played in the bubble and then went, uh, you know, I know he, he and Teddy, we were out and watched the Survivors Cup and he owned that tournament mm -hmm. out there as well. So when you have young guys, it, it's a big ask for them to control an offense, especially a playoff offense. 
but they really haven't looked out of place. In fact, they've looked like stars this early on in their careers in junior. So, um, again, another guy in Colton Marquis that's got so many different release points and Trey Deer, one being a righty, one being a lefty, the ball goes back and forth and Trey Deer, like, we saw the other night, he's not afraid of absolutely anything. He'll go to the front of the net. He'll take an outside shot. He'll take a hit. He'll throw down if he has to. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, there's there's a ton to love about uh, Trey Deer and Colt Markey. And, I mean, I'll throw Jamison Bucktooth in there too. Yeah, the the season he had as the first overall pick coming in. That's, that's going to be a scary offense for Orangeville. When historically you look at their teams, they're built on defense and transition and goaltending. That's you know, speaking of the next couple of years to come, those three guys developing together, that's that's nasty. Thursday game five, I believe, of Beaches Burlington or game four? That would be game number four. We have a potential for doubleheader Friday night game five. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so Beaches Chiefs goes Thursday. Uh, the Beaches – had an incredible season, but unfortunately, due to the arena wanting to put the ice in early, uh, just to make a few extra bucks, they have been ousted from their home rink. Patty, you are very familiar with this group. Does it affect them to be booted off their home floor? I think, you know, at first, when you think about it, it, it stinks because this Beaches team plays really well in Ted Reeve. It's such a unique uh, setting an atmosphere a smaller rink and they were actually nine and one at home in the regular season like they dominated that barn and they played so well in it but when you look at the way that they play on the floor they do like to play fast like I, I Matt could vouch for this I don't know if I've ever seen a, a team transition the ball up the floor so quick in, in the Toronto mm -hmm. beaches they have so many weapons back there that that can score and that can jump and join in the play. And yeah, the eight second rule, which kudos to Mark Grimes and, and the OJ for putting that in. I think it adds such a different dynamic, but this is the team that has implemented that the best. Um, so the big floor helps when they're on offense. I know they've got some big bodies and they don't mind crashing and banging uh, in a small surface, but at the same time, they've got some speedsters and they've got some guys that don't mind playing a little bit of isolation ball and on a big, big four and a big surface and against a defense like Burlington that likes to play aggressive, that can sometimes hurt them on the big surface. So, yes, you would love the the community uh, of the, the beaches and Scarborough and, uh, you know, everyone to be able to come out. But last night there was a great crowd in Pickering. Yes, Burlington brought their fan bus, but the beaches yep. came out, they showed up. So I think overall it's going to be okay for them uh beaches and chiefs both looking for their first junior a final appearance and minto appearance um maddie is there as much of a, a rivalry between these two clubs as there is say with uh, within the whitby orangeville rivalry oh that's a good question um i haven't done as much of that series so i haven't had a chance to talk to players and coaches and what they think of that question um, just off the top of my head though, when you pose those two teams, you know, it would be for me, Toronto and say Mimico, they have the Crombie cup. It would be mm. Burlington Oakville that have the McDougal cup. Um, those types of rivalries. I, I don't 
really put Toronto and Burlington at that level, but they are two of the more historic teams too. Like Toronto goes back to what, 1930 something when they were, they do have a couple of Iroquois trophies from back then when it was not a junior a trophy. Um, But yeah, that's such an interesting question. Um, I think what do you, based what do you know like, anything about it, Pat? Like you, you I think, around I, that organization well, a bit more. I think the big thing is obviously it's easy to draw the comparison, and every, it kind of showed the parallels this year when Burlington was that number one seed a few years ago, and the Beaches knocked them off as the eight seed, and Burlington, sure enough, did right. flip the the switch against Mimico. So there are some parallels there, but the way that that series has gone, the way that they've played. Um, if there isn't a rivalry, it's certainly brewing because they do not like each other. Uh, Willem Firth is taking an absolute beating in this series. Yeah. Like he's picking himself up after every shift. And a lot of these guys as well, because of the Toronto Burlington area, they've played on, you know, edge before with mm. each other, or maybe they've gone to the Hill together or Everest. So they know each other and that, yeah, maybe they're buddies off the floor, but when it's on the floor, like these dudes do not like each other. Yeah. Maddie, we saw Willem Firth at the Survivor Cup uh, a couple summers ago. How impressed have you been with him making the step to Junior A? Oh, he's incredible. I mean, he's already setting Beach's records. Fourth ever player to score 100 points. Only one to do it with 50 goals on a season. And, you know, <laughs> we already talked about the history that goes back in that franchise. So, uh you know, Pat, I know, has made the comparison, as has Jonathan Donville, to not necessarily the generational player that Jeff Teed is, but the smaller lefty who is not afraid to go through the middle. He's got the outside shot. He's got the vision to pass it through. And, you know, a couple more seasons like this one, and he'll be in the conversation for that top overall pick, if not the generational talent that we all knew when – you know, Jeff was eight years old or whatever it was, but um, yeah, Willem Firth has been just lights out amazing for, for the beaches all season. Patty, do you have guys that were iron heads that are now on this beaches program? <laughs> um, almost the entire team. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so we know what you're cheering for. I, hey, I went. That was the first game I think in four years. I was telling people that I, I could actually sit down and not either coach or broadcast. It was so, it was so enjoyable. But I, hey, shout out to me and my my broadcast. Shout out to and me journal, and, and journalist journalistic integrity. I didn't clap whenever the beaches scored. I just I was there just enjoying the game. So shout out me for my journalism. <laughs> A silent fist bump. <laughs> nope, nope, none of that. None Not of even that. a no, fist no. bump, eh? In Can I get a shout-out to me t-shirt? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got to get that made. Um, <laughs> we talked about Chris Origlieri a little bit in that Orangeville Whippy series. Uh, Will Johnson, the Beaches goaltender, obviously uh, was in the NLL as, as a practice goalie, um, and, and he is one of those goalies that, that is on the rise. How impressed – have you been with him at in this series and his continued effort to get the beaches to the finals? Well, maybe I'm easily impressed, but I've been impressed with everybody you've thrown my way so far <laughs> in this episode. But no, another guy that just last year just kind of showed up 
uh, sort of out of nowhere and really uh, was, was huge for the beaches and the bubble tournament and has come back with a, a much bigger, you, you know, it was interesting for me thinking about the difference between this season and last because sure a goalie can get hot at the right time and, you know, when you have only, well, whatever it was, eight games over a two-week span or two weekends, that goalie can stay hot over the two weekends. And now you're talking about two or three months worth of lacrosse when you're playing a couple times a week and have to get through practices and hydrate and everything else that comes along with that. So it it, it does surprise, not, not surprise, but impress me that he – a goaltender like him has been able to get through the entire season and stay at that level. I I think we're remiss if we don't talk a, a little bit more about this, this Burlington team and yeah, how obviously the, how they got here, not only just knocking off the Mimico Mountaineers who I think most people had projected not only by the standings, but like the team to beat in Ontario and possibly the, the country but now they're in they're an absolute dogfight against a very good beaches mm -hmm. team. What makes this team special in that they are maybe going to not only just, you know, be the first team in Burlington history to make it to the mental, but I think maybe the first eight seed uh, to potentially mm. win the Ontario championship and, and make it all the way to the mental as well. Mm. Yeah. Is that a Danny McCray coach team? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, they are they are a, a tough out no matter who they're playing or what seed they are. That is a very talented and well coached team, and I'm excited to see how those final couple games wind down. Maddie, who do you got? Like, who are you picking oh. to come out of these series? I know we keep hitting you with the hard ones. Well, I, I Nick Rose is going to hate me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, none of the four teams would surprise me. I'll start with that because that's yeah. the, the honest truth. Yeah. And that, that's not me trying to go to work tonight without getting beat up. But, <laughs> um, you know, Whitby has looked great all season long. And uh, the goaltending for me is is a question mark, not as much as it's been with other teams. And I think they can overcome it. As we saw, Liam Wright went the distance, allowing only, what was it, five or six goals the other night. So, um, starting to come around there for Whitby. And if that gets solid and they will have, I believe tonight, Sean Williams back on their bench, uh, which is, which is going to help things. He's been in Las Vegas for the past two games. Tough gig. I know, but yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whit Whitby's just been so strong. And then, yeah, that Toronto and, and Burlington series, man, Toronto's looked so good and so fast all season. And you know, I, I kind of feel like I want to pick them just because they were the higher seed. But like you said, Pat, and like you said, Teddy, like this Burlington team just does not go away. They're so no. scary to bet against. And um, they're also doing it without Coltrane Tyson, who's a huge part of that offense, yeah. who has not played in this series yet. And I mean, just unreal play from Mitch Dunham and that defense and the rest of the offense who has stepped up. Braden Saris has been huge. Greg Elijah Brown the two top guys in that offense. So um, that's going to be a, a tight, tough series. But um, I, I think I'm going to pick Toronto there as well. Sorry, Dan McRae. Where are you at in uh, the expert pronunciation of McCumber's first name? 
Uh, they told me I can say Tiha and get away with it. So oh, nice. Lucky. Yeah. yeah. Lucky. Yeah. Um, Coltrane Tyson, also fantastic, fantastic name. Um, so game four, Whitby, Orangeville goes tonight. Game yep. five, Burlington Beaches goes Thursday if needed. Game fives of both those series will be Friday. Um, working fans watch games. Uh, so the Ontario Junior Lacrosse League YouTube channel, if you just search OJLL, uh, you might have to include semifinals. <clears throat> Pardon me, semifinals in there. Um, but that's on YouTube. If you subscribe, you'll get a notice every time we go live and you won't miss anything. That's the easiest way to do it. Perfect. Um, before we get out of here, you have been doing this for, for quite a long time. How did you get your start covering lacrosse? Well, I was originally in college for, I've loved lacrosse my whole life. I played through high school, played minor, uh, never got to play junior. Uh, and that's probably why I'm sitting in the broadcast booth these <laughs> days. But uh, uh, when, I, when I was in high uh, college, excuse me, I went for computer science and uh, had to take a year off uh, at the end of that due to uh, mark-related situations. And during that year, started watching a lot of sports talk shows and realized, you know, I have a lot of my own opinions that may or may not be the same as the host. So I started my own sports blog and started talking about lacrosse because I didn't think it got the respect it deserves. I still we're getting there with, you know, TSN, as you guys uh, well know. And I appreciate all the work that you, Teddy and you, Pat, have been doing on those broadcasts and all the producers that made that happen. But um, yeah, so I started writing about lacrosse and sharing it on whatever social media I had. And through that, uh, it was Marissa and Jemmy who had in lacrosse, we trust mm-hmm. who reached out and said, Hey, would you like to come write for the site? And at, at some point along the way, she started podcast. I had a podcast on there, uh, covering Ontario lacrosse. And one of those was, uh, CLACS, the Canadian lacrosse league, where, we started doing live games over the radio and eventually started doing games on Rogers. Steven stamp and I were the only two covering that league. So we got the gig because we could talk about the league on TV and uh, Gary Morrison, who leads JVI now was the league videographer and he heard us up in the press box. He's like, just, Hey, if I put a mic up there, pick up your voices, I'll plug it in my camera. I can do highlights, put them on YouTube then we realized, hey, we can just put the whole game up uh, if we stream it live. And there was a really hot matchup between, I believe it was Brampton and Durham, where they played two times in three days. And it was just like gloves flying everywhere. <laughs> it, it was it was semi-pro lacrosse at its finest. And they met again a couple of days later. So we have to figure out how to get this to people. And that was our first ever live stream uh, we took, we got Alex Frazow involved. who was working with um, Rogers TV at the time, got graphics together. We had a little presentation. It, it was meant for video presentations uh, for, to do our replays where you could re- uh, record in real time and then stop recording, roll back and replay it, bank it, mm-hmm. replay it. And um, at one point we had like four of them set up and that was our highlight pack. Roll this one, roll that one cue this one while this one's rolling and yeah. um but yeah over the years 
after we started doing those CLAX games, we, we realized, hey, this might be something. People are enjoying them. So we did that for a major series that season and got the Minto Cup contract that year as a result. And yeah, I've been kind of doing it ever since. I believe that was 2012. So this might be year 10 for me. Crazy. And and as Patty knows, you do more than just call the games. You're hitting switches, <laughs> pushing buttons. Uh, you used the term earlier, the octopus arms going all over the place. <laughs> uh, it is not an easy job, uh, but you definitely make Pat sound good. Well, I try. Uh, that, that's the toughest uh, part. Of <laughs> does he, really? he doesn't make you sound good or you don't sound good? I do, I, I do not sound good is what I was saying. And, and he's, he is a, a, a director and a, a broadcaster. He is not a magician, okay? So we can't get into the episode. I should again, say, too, like, yeah. um, you know, I was always all in on commentary when I started. And when we got that Minto Cup contract, it was it came with a commentator who I found out later was uh, Stephen. And I was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm not that I was fine with it because it wasn't me, but I'm fine with it because it's him. I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. sense, but yeah. um, you know, I almost took offense to running around the province doing everything for not a lot of money, and then when you know the big tournament showed up. I had to sit out. So mm-hmm. I talked to Gary about that and he said, well, if you can learn something else, we'll, we'll keep you on the crew. And that's when I picked up the replay and sitting next to Alex picked up, learned what the switcher does. And yeah. Gary was my ride home. So the quicker we pack, the quicker I can get out of there. So here's what all the cables <laughs> do. Here's how you roll them up and put them in the, in the cases. So it, it's been, like I said, 10 years of a learning process, but yeah. Uh, also being open to, you know, commentary is kind of the glorious position. Everybody loves to do it and, and that too, but there's, there, there's a beauty in, you know, making sure the graphic is correct and the score bug looks nice and 100%. the replays come in at the right time. And that, that for me shows off the game too, because, you know, Behind the behind the play, there could be a scrum or a big loose ball battle or something. If you can cut the camera at the right time and get there. Um, anyways, I think that I appreciate that I know the sport enough to we can show that showcase that off and shout out 100%. to me. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think I think that 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 says a lot not only about you and your journey, but it, it's a great lesson for a lot of young kids. And young people trying to get into the industry. Yes, your goal may be to be on the microphone doing play-by-play or whatever. But you need to learn every other aspect mm-hmm. of the broadcast so that you know everything that goes into it. You need to wrap wires. You need to know how to switch and produce. You need to know how to cut replays and stuff like that. So uh, kudos to you for for keeping your head in the game learning all the different assets of what a broadcast is, and you continue to do incredible work. Uh, Matthew Carrick, lacrosse boss, we appreciate you, my man. Enjoy game fours on Wednesday and Thursday, and who knows, if you get game fives, it will be madness. Appreciate you, my brother. No, I appreciate the invite, guys, and uh, keep doing great work. I love the show. All right, that's lacrosse boss. Uh, Appreciate Matt hopping on. Um, Yeah, if you are a young broadcaster in the making, the one thing that I learned 
when I was first in the industry because I was the same as most of you. I just wanted to be on air. I just wanted to talk on a microphone, but you just don't get given a microphone right away. You got to learn how to do all the other aspects of a broadcast, whether it be a live radio show, a live broadcast of a game, whether it be producing commercials, whether it be cutting highlight clips, whatever it may be, never, ever say no to an opportunity to get on board with something because the more you know and the more you can do, the more valuable you are to a employer. And the fact that Matthew Carrick can call a game, hit the switches, cut clips, throw up an ad, and drink water and chew gum and walk backwards at the same time is just absolutely phenomenal and just goes to show how much he has perfected his craft. So appreciate him hopping on and joining us. And I know uh, you two and along with producer Donnie have been doing an incredible job covering the OJ. How excited are you, Patty, for these next couple of nights uh, in the Ontario Junior League? Oh, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. And, and it, like I said earlier in the show, it's like we, we haven't had this experience where you're going between all these awesome, unique arenas across Ontario. And it's the same thing in BC. I mean, you could even say even more like how iconic some of those barns are out there, but you know, each arena right now in, in Ontario, they just have their own quirks and Mm -hmm. um, you know, the fans coming it's just it's that's what it's all about like the back of the bird um tweeted out like there's nothing better than than sitting in a stinky hot arena during the playoffs and like hearing all those sounds this the squeak of the shoes and you know the the unique noisemakers that each fan base has like that's that's what it's all about it's 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 so much fun and you know calling these games uh, it's it's it just it's it's different than NLL. Like it's just, it's different. It's a different game. It's a different, it's just a different vibe. And there's, it's just so much fun. Um, I know you're not going to pick against the beaches. Um, So who do you got in Orangeville Whitby? Does it end (laughs) on Wednesday? I mean, after watching the way that they played, you know, in Iroquois Park on Tuesday night, like you'd have, or Monday, you'd have to be like, yeah, I think it's going to end. But just the way that Orangeville plays in that arena, like it would not shock me if we go to five. It really would not shock me. This Orangeville team is so pesky. Their defense is great. Irregularity is, is unbelievable. They have a great coaching staff. Whippy's great. Don't get me wrong. Their offense is great. But the clear, and Matt brought it up, the, the clear, difference maker and the one edge that orange will 1000% has is the goaltending. And if a regular can stand on his head and if the shooters of Orangeville can kind of get to Liam Wright or even Caleb Martin, depending on who's going to be in, I assume it's going to be right to start, but that that's got to be the recipe for Orangeville getting to game five. It will be a absolute slugfest. You can watch all those games on the OJ YouTube page. Search them out, check them out, and subscribe so that you can be up to date anytime they play. Again, the BC Junior Final will go uh, starting on Saturday. Um, who knows how many games it's going to be, three, five, or seven, whatever they decide. Uh, it's a mystery to everybody. Uh, unfortunately, both our teams are out on the road to the Founders. Um, 
the junior B Shamrock season came to a crashing halt over the weekend, uh, losing to a very talented Coquitlam team. So we are out. So we're both cheering on as we go to the founders. Um, wishing everybody the best luck. We'll keep you up to date on everything that goes on. Uh, both in Ontario, BC, and the Rocky Mountain League, and the First Nations League, um, as the founders will get going on the 15th of August, so in about three weeks' time. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the Minto and the Man Cup. Uh, WLA is nearing the end of their playoffs. MSL only has a few more games left in their regular season. So it is crunch time for everybody. It's it is the best time of the year, man. Like literally <laughs> like is. you look around every single province uh, and it, it's in the thick of things. And it's, it, I guess it's called championship season and it's just right around the already starting here in Ontario with like all the provincials that are going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, but once you start to get all the national tournaments, man, like you blink and then the summer's over. Yeah. yeah it's, it's wild. And, Whenever your season comes to an end, it is just a shocking blow. And you, you're literally, I was sitting on the couch last night and I was like, wow, I don't have to go to the arena for like two straight nights. This is awesome. What am I going to do yeah. with myself? So um, there is still lots of lacrosse to be played. So make sure you're following along with us on socials or, or following the other teams and the leagues on socials as well, just to keep up to date on everything that's going on as we move towards truly championship season in the CLL the PLL is getting close and close and close to their championship season they are headed to week seven they will be in Dallas Texas this weekend let's see if we can win you some weekend spending money time now for box bets your source for all the lines odds and props from across the world of lacrosse brought to you by coolbet.com Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, box bets time. And the games get going on Saturday. Archers, Atlas on ESPN and ESPN Plus, which most likely means TSN and TSN.ca. Chrome versus the Whip Snakes rounds things out on Saturday. Then on Sunday, the Water Dogs against the Cannons. Redwoods and Chaos. We were big time losers last weekend uh, on our parlay, but this weekend we're going to try to redeem ourselves with another one. We are. We don't. We don't talk about what's in the past. No, we don't dwell in the the future. Exactly. Atlas Archers. We'll keep it simple here. A lot of good lacrosse players on the offensive side of the ball. We're Mm -hmm. going over twenty three and a half. Hammer the underdogs. Hottest team in professional sports right now, uh, <laughs> riding a one-game winning streak. We're taking them on the money do- money line. They're going to beat the Cannons. The Cannons, uh, God love you. God love Lyle. It seems like he is doing just about everything for his team to win, and they just can't get it done. I, I just I can't in my right power bet on this team even though lyle thompson is having an mvp season on one of the worst teams in the league uh and then we'll finish it off with the chrome but the chrome they they lose one game and now everyone thinks that they stink like what are we doing here guys they're still a wagon they're underdogs to the whip snakes i get it whip snakes number one team in the league but 
we don't need them to win. We just need nope. this to be a close game. So we'll, yeah. we'll get them at plus one and a half. Add all that together exclusively at CoolBet. It is a plus 600 parlay. Love that. Uh, again, if you want to play along, head over to CoolBet.com. Hit the lacrosse tab. All the PLO games are there. But, of course, as always, you can bet on so many other sports. And there are odds, props, live betting. You can do it all over at CoolBet.com. And as we always say, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, what's the deal with Tyson Bell and the Cannons? Is, is he being singled out as the one guy that gets punished for playing MSL? Is he the well, scapegoat here? He, I, it certainly seems like it. He was cut from his team. Um, he, he made it evidently clear that, um, he was all in on the chiefs as he changed his profile picture. Yeah. And that's just Tyson bell. Like take it, take it or leave it. That's the type of guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve and he's not afraid to mix things up on, on social media. Um, but I do seem to think that they're, I, maybe they're using him as an, as an example, um, mm-hmm. because Brendan Bomberry, as you know, he started the season off playing for the chiefs. He was on a roster for the PLL as well, but maybe because this is a mid season thing, that's yeah. what they're most frustrated with. And maybe there was some dialogue that Bomberry eventually said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to play for my hometown six nations team, yeah. but it certainly, certainly seems like it. And I think this is the first, you know, hat to fall. We'll see what, what happens if any other players do. And, Maybe, maybe this is, you know, they're running out of time. So maybe Tyson Bell said, you know what, we're, we're in last place here. Yeah. I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. Chiefs have a chance to win a man cup. Sorry, PLL, I'm out of here. Yeah, makes sense. But interesting, 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 as it always is with the politics of one league versus the other, um, one season versus the other, one national governing body against another. It's just madness all around. But, say, Levy, that's just the way the world of lacrosse is right now. We can never really all get on the same page and move things forward together. But we will move things forward to next week. And we will talk to you then. But this week, thanks to Matthew Carrick. Thanks to you for listening. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter, at Greggy. I'm on Twitter, at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Or you can find us on Instagram, at OTCB Podcast. There is still a ton of lacrosse going on all across the country. Don't forget to head out to the rinks. Enjoy the games. Stay cool. Bring a fan. Bring lots of water. But most importantly, please behave yourself in the stands. We do not need fan-on-fan violence taking away from the great game of lacrosse because you always know Whenever something silly happens at a lacrosse game, all the mainstream medias will pick it up, blow away out of proportion, and say lacrosse is just a brutal thug sport. And we all know that is not the case. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.